0: Learn more at marines.com
1: G'day, I'm Mitchell Johnson and for 10 years I bowled fast for Australia
0: him over with pace What a start for the Aussies
1: For 10 years I had batters shaking in their boots but I did so without always feeling comfortable in my own shoes going
0: to have to go Mitchell Johnson's on
1: fire For the outside world I came across as a fire-breathing dragon with ball in hand on the inside, I was battling my own demons without always getting to talk about it. Oh, how about it. But now I'm retired, my left arm can't do the talking for me. So I've decided to open up and talk for real. So let's do this. In comes Mitchell Johnson now. This is the Mitchell Johnson Cricket Show. Mitchell.
0: You're listening to the Mitchell Johnson Cricket Show. I'm Baris Sundaresan and I'm here as always with my co-host, my friend, my brother, Mitchell Johnson. Uh, And this week, we're throwing the keys of the show to you guys. Yes, it is another episode of Ask Mitch Anything. And thank you as always for all the wonderful questions you do send our way. Uh, Honestly, that makes our show so much more fun at times. Uh, you guys think of things that you would never even imagine and uh, that's the beauty of this. Uh, And this week we're going to tackle some interesting topics. We're going the whole hog from pizza toppings our favorite pizza toppings for Mitch to uh, bowling actions and uh, whoa you'll love this one. This is the in-depth analysis of his own bowling action from Mitch Uh, Brendan Nash his former housemate and uh, former opponent. Yeah a bit of World Cup cricket for sure and a uh, whole lots of other questions that I'm sure you'll have a lot of fun with. Uh, so thank you. And uh, yeah, here we go. Very straightforward question. A yes or no question. Polly wants to know, pineapple on pizza, yes or no?
1: <laughs> That's not a straightforward question. That's not a yes or no, <laughs> no question. Uh, answer to that question either. Um I think growing up as a kid, I'd probably would say uh, ham and pineapple was the go. I think that was um, in many households was probably the go. Uh, I I was very much. I think I used to eat it sometimes, pick it off. Just depended what mood I was in. Like these days, I, I probably wouldn't go for it. I wouldn't personally like go out there and and if i'm making my own pizza i, I wouldn't put pi- pineapple on it but if someone had you know come over uh bought pizzas or ordered pizzas or you know you go to their place for a party I, I probably would eat it but it's not something yeah i'd go out of my way for and i don't know it's an interesting one i think it's a like i said it's not a yes or a, yes or no type of answer but um yeah, I'm sure I'll cop a bit of backlash for this one. <laughs> Look, it's a
0: question that just keeps getting asked, doesn't it, all the time. All these years later, uh, Yeah, I can't think of too many other questions, existential questions like that, which never get a definitive answer. <laughs> yeah, there are so many other issues in the world that keep propping up and then get got uh, fade away. But this one just uh, has t- stood the test of time. Yeah, I don't know. I
1: had pizza on the weekend. Yeah, there was no ham ham and pineapple, so I occasionally have an attempt to, we have Friday night pizza night, so Jess makes a very good pizza, she makes it very much um, the opposite to me, where she doesn't put as much topping on, she makes it, uh, it's more of the Italian way, I guess, Um, whereas I'm the other way, I go as much topping as I can, and it, it gets to a point where it just, it slides off, it doesn't stick to the pizza properly, I've put too much cheese on and it's all greasy and Oh, I don't know. I I like the taste of it, but I do like the way she does it as well.
0: Oh, before we move on, a question from Barat, your co-host on pizzas. Anchovies? Like, where do you sit with anchovies on your pizza? I don't mind it. Seriously, mate. Come on, I don't mind the (laughs) bokehs.
1: That's your first warning. All right, fine. (laughs) No, no thanks. That's all (laughs) I'll say. I'll be polite. No, thanks.
0: The next one comes from uh, Peter English. Of course, very respected uh, cricket journalist and writer and academician. and, uh, And I'm sure you've had a lot to do with Peter English. And he has a very interesting question. And I had no idea about this. He wants us to actually, and we will do it because it's Peter English asking us to do it, do a full episode on you and your old housemate Brendan Nash uh, you went from housemates to playing against each other in what 2009 I'm gonna say when he was playing for for the West Indies but I had no idea that you guys were housemates at one point
1: yeah yeah we were housemates um actually it was I think I was the first to move in and then uh, Nathan Remington actually moved in as well so um but yeah Brendan took me under his wing I guess and um I was living under the house um in Brisbane and at his house that he bought, and um, yeah, we had a we had a great time. Um, but yeah, I reckon that's a that'd be a great episode to do uh, because yeah, we played against each other in the West Indies, and he was actually, I think it was Adelaide Oval, where he was close to getting a hundred, and I got him out. And his um, his sister was watching in the crowd, and she was upset but also happy because she you know was she I guess loved me like a like her own brother and um but yeah she was a bit like angry at first but then like also happy that you know i did well and but yeah now he is an absolute ripper and and i think it'd be a really good um really good story maybe we can get him on as well and have a chat yeah he's 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 always been one of those guys that would do anything for you um and um i think he's out there now
0: doing he's he's got his own business um in banking and
1: um so yeah
0: yeah I, i remember i mean you're right he's such a lovely guy in 2011 uh, it's a not so happy story about Brendan Nash. Uh, I was in the Caribbean covering uh, what happened to be his final series, uh, final test series. He was playing against India. He was vice captain for the first test uh, in Jamaica, West Indies go down in that test. Uh, and he had promised to give me an interview. So what I was interviewing him. Uh, and then su- suddenly the coaching staff came. I think Phil, uh, oh, this Gibson was coach. And they said that, no, we need a meeting now, team meeting he goes he says no don't go i'm so sorry uh, i apologize but i need to go but don't go anywhere i'll come back so bef- in that time i order myself a coffee and he comes back and he doesn't tell me anything we continue on with the with the, with the interview uh Clumsy old me, I drop hot coffee on his hands, which I apologize for, so I burn his hand a little bit, you know, that's just what I do. Um, And then he finishes the interview, and as he's walking away, uh, I see the press release that he's been dropped for the next test, and, you know, my heart sinks for him, like, you know, he... Uh, he could have easily, a lot of cricketers or a lot of people, uh, I, I m- myself might have just come back and said, you know what, mate, let's do it another time. Like, you know, but the fact that he'd promised me the interview and we'd started it, he made sure um, he finished it. And I guess that's the kind of guy you grew that's, up with as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. That was what he was like. Um, well, that's what he is like. Do anything for you, no matter what, no matter what's going on in his life. And um, yeah, he was. it was a good, um, good housemate, that's for sure.
0: Ah, there you go. Can't wait to get him on and uh, you know, learn more about how good a housemate he was. So. Yeah, and I mean his his
1: story of going to the West Indies will be is is, is interesting as well. And with his family's his background and his dad was an Olympic swimmer, um, and just yeah, just a lovely family. So, um, yeah, I, I look forward to that episode. Yeah,
0: can't wait. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for that. Uh, so he, here's a technical question from El Chopra or Abhishek Chopra as. Uh, I think that's his real name. He's a huge, huge cricket fan. Uh, he knows everything there is to know about cricket from Mumbai. Uh, lovely guy as well. So he wants to know about the transitions to your bowling action, uh, the angle at which your bowling arm came down, and how it changed, and the impact that the you know the various injuries that you had um, had on on all of that on your bowling action from where you started to where you finished.
1: Oh, this is a this could be a long answer. <laughs> um, Go for
0: it. <laughs> It's a great
1: question and it's um, it's something, my bowling action, I worked on a lot over time and I had four stress fractures in my back from the age of 18 to 23, 24. So I had to tweak my action every single time just to get it right. So when I first came onto the scene as a 17, 18-year-old, I was a very, very slingy bowler and I was very low with my action. Um, my front arm used to pull straight out so I was counter-rotating a lot, so I'd twist a lot with my spine. So that's why I had stress stress fractures. Just wasn't strong enough to hold my body up. And I was really fresh to cricket as well, so I had no idea about technique. It was just, I was so raw when I first started. And then as time sort of went on and I worked on, I've tweaked my action trying to get over my front leg. So I had to pull down with my front arm into my hip, get over my front leg try and get nice and high. Um, so, I did a lot of work basically walking in with my action and walking through doing that with my action like over and over and over again. Then I built back to doing it off of uh, just jogging in and doing it. So, I worked through my action for a lot of years and that was with Troy Cooley and Dennis Illy um, and, and and partly to do with Queensland as well when I was there and, and, the, and the academy. So, That process went on for a number of years and probably even into the first part of my career where I was working on my action while I was playing in games, which was not the thing to do because um, the whole purpose of when you're out in the game is to get wickets. It's not to get your action right. So I had that mentality because I'd been working on it for so long, come back from injury, had to change it. So yeah, the progression of that was it becomes so robotic as well, where it didn't feel like me. Um, so I was quite tall with my action as well. So my bowling arm did actually get quite high. And that's why I used to I used to swing the ball quite consistently when I was younger, um, through that first period of my Queensland days. I've seen like footage of my old action and I sort of cringe a little bit because it was so robotic and, and didn't feel like me. But then I look at it and go, well, at least I swung the ball like that was actually pretty good. But I was actually bowling slower as well. So I was bowling probably 135 to 138, maybe 140. But that was too slow for me. I wanted to be a fast bowler who, you know, ripped in and was aggressive. And if I swung the ball, I swung the ball. But so, yeah, the progression of it took years. And then when I had my, two, uh, my injury in 2011, that's when I... Had a bit more of a focus again on my technique, because I hadn't really done it my way, and I wanted to do it a specific way. So, I guess the without getting too technical, um, I had to work on a few things: strength, the mental side, just making sure I was in the right mental space. But where my action finished up, I wasn't the I wasn't up high, and I wasn't like really low. It was in between, but I was con- then consistent with where I was releasing the ball. That's the big thing. And when I was going through my real bad times through like a no, 09, sort of 11, the consistency of my arm path was changing slightly. Like it wasn't, it was probably only that much at times, but that makes a big difference at the other end because if you're releasing it that much off, it's going to go down leg side or it's going to go wide of off stump. You're going to bowl wide. So that's that's where my issues came from. Um, so I just wasn't consistent with, with that bowling arm and that had to do also with my front arm so not being pulling down into my hip and then getting over my front leg so I hope this is not getting too confusing but um, yeah basically I got to a point in that 2011 um, year where I worked on my action and, and I just wanted to bowl fast and uh, and I just backed my ability and, backed and had that belief in, in what I was trying to do so that's when I really didn't have a focus after i got it right where i wanted to be i didn't have a focus on my action anymore and i just went out there and bowled
0: so about about the release uh, or where, where your bowling arm is um so how do you get in like how, how do you reach a point where you're in complete control or, or are you as a fast bowler never in complete control of that
1: you want your action no, i think you are in control of it you just want a repeatable action I mean, mine probably wasn't repeatable at times because I was trying too many different things and and going through different things mentally. So, I was thinking about my action too much. If it didn't, there'd be days where I'd go through where I'd be like, oh, I've got to pull my front arm down. I'm I'm not doing it right. I'm pulling out a little bit. So, then it's going to change the direction of the ball and I'm not going to be able to swing it. So, and my wrist won't be behind the ball. So... I was thinking way too much about it when I was playing and that was only because I'd done so much in training to get my action right. So, then that's all I ever thought about. So, yeah. Um, Glenn McGrath used to talk about um, bowling a lot and you'd always listen when he spoke and we know what he was like. He was He was consistent. He put it on a dime and you look at him and you just go, his action was so repeatable. He could just do it day in, day out. He's changed a little bit as he got sort of uh, the back end of his career. He started to jump in a little bit more. He had a little bit of a jump when he started, but then the jump became bigger as it. And that's just a. I think that's just something that happens as you get to the back end of your career. You sort of. It's not a lazy thing, or maybe it is in some ways, but you tend to. Um, I don't know. I did it as well, to be honest. I started to do a couple of things that, um, like, I think it was my back leg was starting to drag through a lot more. Mine used to drag at the start, but it started to make like big like marks in the ground, and you could clearly see that I was dragging my my foot like a lot. So maybe I did become a bit lazy. But yeah, the back end of your career, you tend to um, just let those things slide a little bit because you know you know you're coming to an end. You know, if you start changing things at the end, you. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it is just um, that laziness um, at the back end, but everything's still coming out the same. Um, but you just don't don't work on things as much as you used to. So yeah, in the end, it's about being having a repeatable action. Jimmy Anderson's a perfect example again. Um, I guess you know Pat Cummins has probably become that guy that's it's very repeatable for him. Um, Stark is very similar to me. Like we gone through a lot I don't know if it's a left armor thing um, or not I don't know because we're a bit maybe a bit more wild Uh, but yeah he he changed his action changed his run-up at one point of time when he was struggling a bit Um, and it's good that you can do that when you're you're in your career you can um, get a chance if you get a chance to work on it because yeah we're not all all the same as bowlers we're we're all um, you know unique in our own ways and um, yeah, I just think, um, yeah, if you can be repeatable, perfect. Um, run-up is actually another thing. Having a, a good run-up, I think that's where your action starts. It's That's really important. And if you haven't got a good solid run-up, like it's the right pace for you as a bowler. Some people like to run in really quick like Brett Lee. He used to run in fast. He um, could hit the crease and get over that front leg, whereas I was a slower run-up. Um, and I was probably a little bit more up and down with my run up not forward as much um, so yeah if you can get your run up speed and everything right um, that helps when you hit the crease and you've got the right amount of speed and power and and things like that so um, it, it is very technical um there's so much to talk about when it comes to bowling technique and I I did a lot of bowling technique in my career, so uh,
0: I could sit here listening to you talk about bowling technique all day long, and I'm sure Abhishek can, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this can as well, but it, because it's it like we said in one of our earlier episodes, it's such an unnatural thing to put your body through, and you know to do it for as long as you did, or Glenn McGrath, or um, you know so many great fast bowlers have done, uh, and, and it's no way, and, and even for outsiders like us uh when we see clips of or when I see clips of a Glenn McGrath bowling in 94 to him bowling in say 2001 there's often such a huge difference right and and you spoke earlier about how uh you when you see your action from say 2004 5 6 uh you you think of it differently i've always been like uh, intrigued by how a, a, an actual fast bowler thinks when he or she sees an old action or a clip of their old action
1: yeah it's it's a little bit cringy, but um, it's also the process that you go through. It's just part of it. Um, I think when I started, I I tried to to bowl, or not when I very first started, when I started to get serious about cricket when I was playing for Queensland, I tried to bowl a bit like Brett Lee with that arm. He'd go up and then straight down. And I did that for a while, Um, but there was so many issues with that and it didn't really work for me. So um, it was no flow in that, that bowling arm. I'd lose like a lot of rhythm and then I'd have to try and force it so, that's why I would tend to pull out early. I wouldn't pull into my hip. I'd pull out towards the side. So, then I was twisting. Because you got to think, right? As a bowler, your, your front arm, because a lot of people talk about bowling and they go, oh, how do you bowl fast? And 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 you got to bowl with your bowling arm. I said, you're actually not bowling with your bowling arm at all. Like, yes, you got to get your wrist position right. But you look, your front arm, your, your back arm, your bowling arm will follow your front arm. So, if I'm pulling down into my hip, my shoulders, it all goes in alignment. So, if I pull out, so my shoulders go out, so then my arm has to follow that. So, um, it's so 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 many like technical aspects to it and that front arm was so important. And if you got that wrong, then the rest of it was just going to be mayhem, um, inconsistencies. Um, yeah, so that's why I look at bowling. Look at run-up being very important, getting the right run-up speed. But I think your pull-down of your front arm is, is really important because if you get that slightly wrong, and you it, it takes your shoulders into a different place and then you lose that repeatable action.
0: Oh I, I'm, I'm sure and like you speak to spinners as well right uh they uh, I, I know my cousin Murli Karthik always talks about Daniel Vittori's action and how it, it's like a clock right what your right arm does your left arm just follows like uh, if you're a left arm bowler so uh, they, I mean there's so much about bowling technique that we can just break down and there's so much to learn and I'm sure you did as your career progressed.
1: Yeah I mean it, I find it fascinating to be honest and I and I was fortunate enough to to work with the best as well um, in DK and, and Troy Cooley. And I mean, there's a couple of others along the, along the way as well with certain aspects of the game, but um, little techniques of the game. Um, I think Craig, Craig McDermott was an example of, um, he was very good with like the wrist. So like trying to get the wrist position right, um, worked with uh, Ryan Harris a little bit with that kind of stuff. And, and we saw what kind of bowler he was. So... Um yeah every every coach has their their strengths and and their weaknesses but um yeah I think the technique side of it is um it's really interesting and something that really intrigued me a lot and it's pretty much instilled into me it, it'll never leave me I've I haven't talked about it for a while but every time it comes up I I feel like it's just like second nature and because I went through so much with my technique uh, and and trying to get it you know into the right technique for me, I guess.
0: Beautiful. We'll just take a little bit of a break there, Mitch. And when we come back, uh, more questions, uh, more talk about uh, bowling techniques uh, and uh, some other questions that I think you will enjoy. Welcome back to the Mitchell Johnson uh, Cricket Show. Uh, We have Mitchell Johnson answering questions from from you guys. And uh, uh, look, I really enjoyed uh, your just breakdown of your bowling action. And I'm sure there's, like you said, there's so much more which will come to you as, you know, we get these kind of questions, these kind of great questions from our great listeners uh, in uh, uh, future episodes. And uh, uh, look, just on that bowling action bit, a very quick question from me. So, would you then now when you look back retrospectively do you connect performances to uh, how good you felt about your bowling action like my question would be uh, the 2013-14 ashes and the tour of South Africa that followed do you think that was the best you uh, or the happiest you were with your bowling action or that's not always how it works out
1: Um, no I was happy with my bowling action but the thing is I didn't really think about it that was the thing like it just happened so there's obviously times in the game where you're you're fighting it and it's not coming out quite right so you tend to try and fight it but you've got to have, this is where you have to have your own bowling cues. Um, so like a batsman have their batting cues just to, you know, they'll go through a couple of things, a checklist. So a bowler does the same. So for me, it was, I'd go through a bowling checklist at the start of my spell and then I would go through it occasionally throughout my spell if if it wasn't quite clicking Um, and that for me was front arm follow uh, it was run up front arm follow through so I kept those three things in mind and they had little um, parts to it as well so run up was was um, uh, run up was angle like I had like a little angle going forward and then I had run up it was run up speed as well so making sure I had the right run up speed Um, front arm was front arm out in front pull into my hip and then follow through was follow through right past my right knee. So to get late swing, you had to really follow through, be behind the ball as long as possible. So to be long, I had to feel like I was finishing past my right right knee. Um, so left knee for a right-hand bowler. So that means that you're really long on the ball. Your fingers are behind the ball for as long as possible. And so you get more chance of swinging the ball late. Um, so, th- I mean... Those are the things that stuck in my mind. So, yeah, at the start of my spell, I would often say that. But when it wasn't working well, like early in my career, I would say that in my head every time. And so, then I wasn't thinking about how I was getting someone out. Whereas at the back, uh, the second part of my career, I was more focused on um, what I was trying to, do to achieve in the game and how I was trying to set someone up, how I was getting them out, um, situations of the game. Um, so, yeah, and then occasionally, I just have to remind myself you know, front arm, you know, all, I'd, I'd say all three together just to make sure and that would sort of just, my mind would click and go, okay, and then you're back to focusing on the game.
0: Fabulous. Yeah, that's uh, so much to learn. Uh, you, even now, when, you, when you, you know, it's like opening the floodgates with you when it comes to, <laughs> it's to bowling technique now. I enjoy doing it.
1: Yeah, but also the thing is, it's, you have to keep it simple as well. So that's the other thing. Like there's, I'm saying all this stuff now and I'm, but it's, it has to be simple. When you when you're out there, you, you've got to keep it simple. Because if you the more you put in your mind, and the more you know, when things aren't going well, that's when things start to go wrong, and your and your mind starts to to race, and you start thinking of bad thoughts, or you start thinking of negative thoughts, and you start thinking, oh, "I've got to do this, I've got to do that," and so you're not thinking simple. Then like it's it's then it's getting confusing. So um, yeah, you have to still keep it pretty simple.
0: Yeah, and speaking of keeping it simple, uh, there is a question uh, from one of our younger listeners who's 16, Bowling Advice question to you, uh, Veer Xavier, who wants to know what the best gym exercises are for fast bowlers and how much you think a fast bowler should bowl weekly.
1: Um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, and this is always a topic that it's it seems a bit, a big debate about anyway. Um, some Some fast bowlers think you should do a lot, some think you should do none, some think, yeah, in between. So, I'm probably the one that sort of thinks in between. Um, it, it's, it's a bit of a balance. You need to have good strength um, and and the strength needs to be your core and your, and your lower half. Um, you don't want to get too bulky up the top. Uh, there's been times when I probably have put on a little bit too much bulk on top and that has changed my, my arm path for me. Um but then you look at bowlers like Andy Bickle, who's from Queensland and played for Australia. He was quite a bulky guy. Shane Watson, um, a very bulky guy um, as well, but it worked for them. Um, so I think gym, the gym stuff was is important, um, but I think also bowling a lot is important. Um, things have changed a lot over the years. There's a lot of the workload-related uh, issues and... As a young guy, you, you tend as as a young fast bowler, you tend to have back problems, um, and I think that's been throughout history. That it's it's something that you they're trying to figure out still, um, whether it's you need to do more gym, less gym. Do you need it? I think it's come down to it's technique and and not having strength. So I think there's a bit of a both going on. Um, so at the young at an age of sixteen. You know, 17 is, is quite tough because you start, you're start bowling fast and your body can't cope with it. So um, I think Glenn McGrath was probably one of the only ones I can recall that didn't have stress fractures. Um, there's not too many that, you know, in history that didn't go through them. So you also, I guess from my experience, um, I didn't do weights when I was younger and when I first came onto the scene, I was 17, 18. I didn't have the strength in my core to hold my body up. So that's why I had the back problems when I was younger. I think there has to be a balance of, yeah, gym work and um, doing the the right stuff. So a lot of lower body stuff, a lot of core stuff um, just to get that that right. And it doesn't have to be heavy stuff. It's just, I guess it's just getting the specific stuff right. So we used to do a lot of things where it was specific to us as bowlers where it was a single leg exercise because we're generally on our sing, uh, on a single leg in our bowling action so you land on your back leg you're on one leg you'll land you that's when you're stable on two but then you go over your front leg on one leg so we did a lot of l- single leg stuff so one of them was on those mini trampolines where we used to um, you'd be on your back leg and you'd hop up onto a trampoline onto your front leg and get that balance and strength through your be through your glutes. And your core, and you'd have to like follow through, then come back off, and then you'd do it the opposite way around, where your back leg jump on there with your back leg, and do the same thing, and then jump off the trampoline onto your front leg, and land on your front leg, balanced and in control, and follow through. So um, there's lots of yeah, lots of little stuff like that. I think were was really helpful. Um, I think I heard Dale Steyn talk about this, and and he wasn't really a guy that was into the weights. Um, I think he may have done a little bit of weight maintenance work, but not not a lot. Um, he wasn't a bulky guy. He was quite um, flexible, and I think you have to be flexible as a fast bowler. You want to have that. Um, I guess it's like elasticity in your in your in your body. Um, but yeah, I think everyone's different. You have to sort of understand your body type and it can be difficult when you're young because you're being told a certain way to go about it. So it is is difficult, but it's a learning process as well. I think once you understand your body and that's what you you tend to do as a fastball, you get to really understand your body and what you're going through. Um, then you know what you need to do. So um, I think it's a bit of a balance more than anything.
0: Uh, I, I mean, Speaking of... Uh not everyone's the same. Uh, you this question's from Acharya. It's about uh, your f- favorite opponents. I'll leave it at that. But his exact question is: Who did you enjoy beefing with the most? Virat Kohli, Kevin Peterson, uh, Zahir Khan, or anyone else? Yeah, the Zahir Khan one. This clip I saw very recently. I'd forgotten about it, and then it came back. I think like social media, something just popped back up. Was that me batting? I think so. Yeah, I think.
1: Uh, I remember. Something... I remember that one. I remember that one. It was in Delhi. Um, he was reversing the ball about three foot, four foot in the air um, and I came out to bat and I was, I hit a couple of nice ones and then he bowled, I let one go and he bowled me and he just gave it to me but I think that was, um, I don't know, to me that felt like there was a bit of jealousy going on. Um, that's how I felt about it but I didn't really care in the end um, um, but yeah, he was a great bowler. Like I'd I, I don't think we ever funny thing was there was never any real like beef like personally. I don't think it was ever so I don't know. I don't know where that all came from. I think it was because I'd driven him down the ground and he wasn't happy about it. I, I sort of was a little bit cocky as well, I suppose when I when I when I drove him back down the ground. I was like, you know, confident and and then I let one go and you swings back a mile and it's like, yeah. I probably deserve it but um yeah, beefing, I don't know. I mean, I always enjoyed the challenges out there. I thought, um, you know, the reason why I went after certain players were there was reasons behind it. Like Virat, um, the reason I went after him was because I knew that if you could frustrate him and, and make him not think about the game, his game early on, you're a chance of getting him out. And there was a particular incident that in that series when he scored a heap of runs against us. Was it the 2015,
0: 1415?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, he um. I remember we had it at the MCG and he came in and, and got him frustrated because I had a bit of a dig I threw the ball at him and it was actually that's there yeah, that's where it started. So I threw the ball he'd come out of his crease I threw the ball to hit the stumps and it hit him and I apologized immediately um, because I wasn't intentionally trying to hit him so um, and he didn't like that so he, he, he came back at me at the end of the over and was was chirping away and and it sort of kicked off a little bit and then a few balls later, and the next over, he he nicked it. Shane Watson dropped it. Yes.
0: Um.
1: See, so no, no one talks about this. <laughs> and it, this was one of the frustrating because we had him. He he was, you know, we had him for for not many at that point of time. So he got dropped, and then um, you could see a switch straight away. He was like, I've got to concentrate here. So he, he stopped talking, and he got back into you know his his way of playing. So, um, and scored a hundred I don't know fifty odd or something. So, yeah, that was the reason why I'd go after certain players and, and I enjoyed that part of the game, um, to be honest. But, um, yeah, f- uh, probably Kevin Peterson was probably the most... I don't know if it was the most interactions I had on the field, but he was definitely up there and he he enjoyed the battle. He always enjoyed going hard. I think it got him going. It got me going as well. But um, in that 13-14 series, I made a, an effort to not say anything to him early on in the series and I think he talks about it in his book actually that I, I didn't say anything to him um, and because that was something we'd spoken about in our team meetings was don't say anything to him because it just gets him going, he wants it and yeah, we none of us bit back at him and um, yeah, it fr- I think it frustrated him a little bit but he's still, he still performed, he was their best performing batter I think through that series and yet he still copped a fair bit of stick for the way that he went about it, which you know was fine by us, but um, yeah, there was definitely uh, some good good challenges out there. Some day, some days you win them, some days you don't.
0: We need to get Kevin Peterson on this show at some <laughs> point. I leave that to you, mate. It, it'll cost us too much. I'm sure he can do us a <laughs> bit of a favour. Uh, <laughs> but uh, on that note of like, of, you know, uh, beefing with the most, is are there is there anyone like? Who would come across as a surprise, like not that? Nobody, none of us would would really think of that. You enjoyed beefing against. Obviously, these are like the more high-profile ones: Virat Kohli, Kevin Peterson, and the Zahir Khan one. You know, there's the clips out there. But is there anyone that um, now, when you look back at it, you're like, oh, I'm surprised I had a go at him, or that we had a thing in the middle?
1: Oh, there was one. There's one clip that frustrates me a little bit. It was um, it was one with Raul Dravid in the IPL. So, early on in his, it must have been his last season or or something like that, but um, something happened in the middle. I'd said something, I must have beat the, I I wasn't even like having a massive crack and someone, I think, I can't even remember who was at the other end, they'd piped up and so, yeah, I I actually don't even remember how it went. I just remember that there's been a clip out there that was, looks like we were having a massive crack at each other and, and it wasn't really like. It was pretty, pretty friendly. Um, it was, yeah, not much in it at all. But it, it's one of those things that um, I've always respected those guys. I've always respected the, the the best that you come. I respect everyone on the cricket field, but when they were the you know legends of the game, like you know, I, I respected him. So, but I also knew that that you know we're still playing a game, and I would always be competitive. So. Um, yeah, there was nothing really in it. We had a bit of a bit of a chat out there and it got blown up that it was, you know, I was disrespectful and this and that. And I don't even think Raul, like, cared at all. Like, it was, he might have been trying to calm me down for some reason. I don't know. I can't even remember. But That's a surprising
0: Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't remember that at all. Like, yeah, Mitchell, Johnson, we, Rahul, Raul yeah. There
1: wasn't much in it, but. Um, Rayner. Rayner was a guy and um, he could pipe up a little bit. Like, yeah, Raina was was um, he he's a lovely guy, but then um I, in the IPL he was frustrating as hell to bowl to because he was so good, and he would just take you apart like you'd bowl a good ball and it'd be over the boundary and it used to frustrate the hell out of me, but um he, he would often he, he would go back he would come back at you um but do it in a quiet way, so yeah he didn't never looked like he was aggressive or anything like that so. There's definitely players out there that you know did it in a way that you couldn't really tell. So even Brett Lee would 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 have a bit of a dip and he'd cover his mouth or he'd do it with a smile on his face. So that was his big one. He'd have a big smile on his face and it would just look like he was being friendly, but he's having a go at you know the batsman at the other end or or whatever.
0: Did, did that make? Uh like when you played with Brett Lee then, like, so he was doing it with a smile. So, I mean, there can't be two of you doing it with a smile. So you had to exactly. be the nasty one. I
1: had to be the, ang- I had to be the angry one. Yeah. The nasty one. <laughs> yeah.
0: I took, took one for the You were the evil, evil, evil <laughs> one. or no, the bad cop. All of those things put together. Well, let's finish uh, this show, this Ask Mitch Anything. And and look, there are so many questions that uh, we will get to. So please keep sending your questions in. Uh, Just hit us up. Uh, Don't forget to add a... hashtag ask Mitch at the end of your question so that it's easier for us to collect it. Uh, and we'll give you our socials as we always do at the end of the show. Uh, but this comes from um, uh, of, uh, one of our listeners in Pakistan, uh, Emma Afzal, a lovely young guy. I met him when I was in uh, Karachi last year. His question is about the world cup, but not so much the cricketing side of it. He wants to know about what it's generally like shooting commercials and uh, uh there was that one and and it's funny he should bring this up uh you know they just released the 2023 world cup uh, anthem or song recently so that uh sent me down a rabbit hole i started listening to the ones going back to 1992 and then I realized that the 2015 one is just you and Brendan McKillum, mainly. You just like it's just you guys walking out uh, to do battle, and uh, the song plays in the background. Uh, so his question is about that particular one, but also just generally, uh, what was it like, you know, to shoot commercials? Was it a tiring process? Uh, oh, and is there a fun little memory that uh, you can think of, like you know, while you were playing and you had to do commercials?
1: Um, I think that World Cup one. I think we did that at the Gabba. I think, and it was well, it wasn't much to it, so I don't think there was much to it I don't even again I don't really remember it too much. Um, I think it was pretty quickly done. I think it might have been before a training session um, that we all or after training that we did it, so yeah, it was a pretty easy one to do. Um, the interesting ones are we're well, always the IPL. The commercials we did <laughs> there. Yeah. They're the they're the interesting ones. Although we did some interesting ones with Australia when I first started. We'd, you know, do certain ads that um you're eating food and, and shoving it in your face like for a thousandth time where you get really sick of putting it <laughs> in your mouth. Like True. I think it was KFC or something like that, one of the ones we did early on. But um yeah, the IPL ones are very interesting. So <laughs> I don't think our English is 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 very good over there. Um, it's we're hard it's hard to understand us. We speak maybe a little bit too fast and so when we're doing these ads we're we're trying to do it I guess in an Indian English accent. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So
1: so we can like it's more understandable but they tend to end up dubbing our voices over. <laughs> yeah. So it looks even funnier. So we've done like we did a biscuit commercial once with Saywag it was like just so random, like biscuit commercial and it's just, they're the funniest things you ever do um, and, and I used to find them, yeah, hilarious but uh, yeah, they can be quite tedious as well. You're been told to do it over and over again and uh, so yeah, but I mean that's, you know, the sponsors pay the, the big money, uh, that's how you get paid so um, you got to do it. I'm um, just trying to think that there's been a couple, there was a couple for Mumbai where we had to dance and and. Do Like the you know, the and I wasn't really a fan of those ones to be honest. Um, we had a, a condom uh sponsor at one point that was with the Kings 11 team, I think. And that was, yeah, I I don't know who was involved in that one. I, I think I, I, I turned that one down because I was just like, yeah, that's not really um, yeah, one I want to be involved in, but um. Yeah, a few of the younger guys like got involved in that one, and and they had a blast. But yeah, very interesting. Yeah, there's some 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 interesting ones that happen. But I know like the Indian players, they seem to majority of them love it because for them it's 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 huge. Like, they're they're over there, they're they're in their home country, and they're um you know they're on the billboards, they're on TV, they you know they love that profile. So yeah, definitely a lot of the younger players they get really into it. Um, but yeah, we, 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 we go along to like uh, sponsors, like lunches and dinners and things like that. And there's always, there's always a dance that you have to get up to. They always get up and you've got to dance and it's like, no, thanks. I would refuse it. Like I'm not making that much of a fool of myself. (laughs) I've done it once where I've got up and done it. and I think I had to wear like a, a top. Oh oh, no, it was a turban. I wore a turban and I had a cane. And I had to like, dan- I danced around like we're all, all the um, international players. We just look at each other and go, "What are we doing?" But, <laughs> you know what? It's just part of. I guess it's part of the culture over there. The dancing and um, it's happy, and um, I-, I get it. Uh, I totally get it. But it's um, it's very different to what our culture is.
0: I mean, if if there's anyone out there who can find this picture, or even better, have a clip of Mitchell Johnson dancing in a turban, please uh I, come on d- won't be. do some work for us find this clip find <laughs> it. i know there are uh some of you out there who can just find anything like yeah you know you are the ace detectives of the social media cricket world so do that uh and uh you know we'll make sure uh there is a reward at the end of it but uh, it, it has just seen any of these ads like does she have uh i don't think
1: she, so I, I think one or two may have come through on my email before but um no, generally they're all all done over there and but um, yeah, I'm just trying to think of any of the oh, actually, commercial-wise, like so, a personal sponsor. Now this is the this is yeah probably embarrassing. Um, I had a jockey commercial, so I was in jockey ambassador, so the underwear uh, for about three years, I think it was. And one of her friends at the time was working in a shopping center here in one of the the women's department stores, and in the back storage there was a big cardboard cutout of me in my jocks. with a pa- I, I did this thing where I ran with a parachute on the back and I was in my underwear. So, she's grabbed it and she sent it to Jess's house, our house, and put it at the front and knocked and left. <laughs> and there's this big cardboard cutout of me in my jocks, and Jess has got a photo of me um, next to it, um, which was quite funny, but... Um, embarrassing at the same time. Sold it on yeah. eBay, but when, of course when, when I was, I didn't sell it on eBay. But um, <laughs> through that time as well, because because when you when you're playing, like we've all got different sponsors and, and things like that, and I think I I remember um, well, a few years ago there was uh, Mitchell Stark had done one for a, a clothing brand, and I found it in the I think it was in Meyer or something like that. So I took a photo of me next to him. And there's been photos of me in the past when I was doing the jockey stuff. There's one when I'm laying down, I've got this pose and it's like, yeah. So you have a bit of fun with it um, between your mates and that. But um, yeah, they are embarrassing. I can't believe I'm talking about it now.
0: Yeah, that was the Mitchell Johnson Cricket Show. Ask Mitch Anything. This is something that Mitch really does have fun with. So keep pushing in your questions. Do not forget the hashtag Ask Mitch. And the beauty of this is you can post your questions whenever, whatever time of the day, wherever you're based on Twitter or X or whatever it's called these days on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, just feel free. Uh, but till then, till next week, keep liking, subscribing, and showering us with love. And please, please don't forget to leave your reviews. We can really do with them. As we climb up the ladder of this kingdom of podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.